0: And we're calling this series, Reckless Love. We're calling this whole series, it's just, we're gonna be in it for about four or five weeks, Reckless Love, because this is not really, this book is not really a story about a whale. And this book is not really a story about Jonah or a missionary or any of that, and it's not really a story about disobedience, although we do learn a lot, don't we? And when we go the way that God doesn't want us to go, he has a way of redirecting us back to where he wants us. And it's not really a story about God's sovereignty, although it is that. And we see that God at any time can interrupt us, interrupt our lives. And we think we're doing one thing and our lives are about one thing. And then all of a sudden, we find ourselves completely interrupted. It's like we've been stacking one of those house of cards and the Holy Spirit just blows. (laughs) And you know what happens, right? It all comes tumbling down but this is a story about God's reckless love. Some Christians have a real problem with that song we just sung, and, that whole, and the phrase reckless love. We have to understand part of the confusion comes from this ironic or sarcastic use of language, this, this use of language. Jesus used himself when he said, in your fight with sin, you know what? If your right hand causes you to sin, you should cut it off. And the same group of people that wrote this song, Reckless Love, you know, they wrote another song. It's called, I Will Waste My Life. But the song is all about wasting our lives in prayer. So in the eyes of the world, in the eyes of others, it may seem like we're wasting our lives. So the people who write these songs kind of speak like Jesus and they take language and they use language in a striking way to flip it upside down, to like punch through our fall in a sleepness <laughs> you know we're just we're just like we hear things and we don't hear them and we need as Lisa talked about we need a, somebody to turn up the hearing aid <laughs> we need to hear from God here's the problem though and this is the legitimate problem god is not reckless god himself is considerate, has planned. God is not reckless, he is sovereign. In a universe where the only thing that seems sometimes to be certain is change and chaos, God is the grand weaver. He's the Russo brothers, the Kevin Feige, the Steven Spielberg, every other producer, every other artist you can think of, God is a million times more the artist, weaving our stories together. So when you zoom in and you look at like one chapter or one sentence of our lives, it just looks like a mess. It just looks like God has his hands off the wheels. But when you zoom out, God is weaving together an amazing story that's glorifying him and is for our good. God is not reckless, he is an artist. But sometimes the way we experience his love is reckless. And we're not afraid to admit this at epiphany. We're not gonna be afraid of our emotions. Somebody here has been through hell and back. Somebody here knows what I'm talking about, where God came in and it feels like he was wrecking your life as he was loving you. It feels like everything was coming apart as he was calling you to himself. And really he was putting it all back together and you didn't know it yet. God's love is so big, it's so huge, it's so unpredictable to us, we we can't wrap our minds around it. God's love swallows you whole, spits you out, wrecks your life, that he might save it. Let's, let's look at how this story begins with Jonah. He starts by saying, Jonah, the, the Amittai, Jonah, Amittai. What is, what he's talking about? Well, here's where it's really, really helpful to have a high level of biblical literacy because we don't get in this book a real introduction to who Jonah is. We wouldn't know who he is if we weren't deeply familiar with the scriptures. And this is one of the reasons why it's good to read the Bible. It's good to read the whole thing. And it's not just good to read like a paragraph or one sentence that's encouraging every day although that's good too because you got to get your mind and your heart right and sometimes you need a little appetizer and you read one verse and it helps you or you see something on facebook or whatever and it helps you but it's also good to be somebody who just gets real familiar with the whole of the whole grand big story of the bible and we find out in second kings 14 that this is the Jonah that is a patriot. This is the Jonah that's a zealot. This is the Jonah that when King Jeroboam II was sending out these military campaigns and the prophet Amos and the prophet Isaiah were like, yo man, chill, you're getting like bloodthirsty. Jonah the prophet is shouting, yes. <laughs> Jonah's wearing the Make Israel Great Again hat. Jonah is a nationalist. Jonah is in love with his people and has seen his people suffer for long enough. And he wants to see his people rise up. He wants to see them come out of their indignity. And he wants to see them be blessed. But then what does he do? What does he do when God starts knocking? What does he do when God calls? So God tells Jonah, go east. And Jonah goes west. God tells Jonah to go on the land. And Jonah books the first boat he can find. God tells Jonah to go and preach and Jonah says, no. Who's ever done a 180 away from God? The answer is that every one of us. And we do this, we express this in all kinds of ways. We can express it through sex, through our language, through money, but these are only the symptoms of a much deeper 180. One where we are running away from God himself. And and, you know, sometimes we just fail to meet up and we fail to fit in the box whatever that box may be, and, and then we're just like, well, since I don't fit in that box of what I guess what God wants of me and what other people want of me, maybe it's like to be straight and middle class and not have tattoos and not have any debt and whatever it might be that you put in that box. We just want to run. We just want to run and keep running. And God is in the business of chasing us and loving us and making us new. See, Jonah, Jonah didn't love what God loved. Jonah really loved Israel, but the problem was is that God loved everybody, period. Jonah loved Israel, but God loved everybody. And however wrecked your life is, God's love is greater. The wickedness, let me, let's talk about the wickedness of the Ninevites, who are also the Assyrians, okay? Because like we watch, you know, Avatar and which is like obviously, you know, in a planet called Unobtainium. That by, if you weren't sure, that's not a real planet. And there isn't really the Navi people there or whatever. But you know what I mean? we watched that movie already, right? We've seen Dances with Wolves or, now some some of you are like, "I, I, I don't know either of those movies, that's fine. Just track with me. We have these stories we like to tell where there's this person that's just noble all by himself, a people noble and strong all by themselves And if we were to like contact them or connect with them in any way, we would ruin it because they just have such inner dignity and they just will do everything right as it is. And so we have a hard time with how, we have a hard time with facts. We have a hard time processing how awful certain people can be. Yet it doesn't change anything. It doesn't cha- just our our way of thinking about other people, uh, the culture that we come from, where we are trying to give everybody a fair shake, doesn't make people any different than what they are, and it's not real and it's not fair. I remember when we were thinking about going and praying about going to Central Africa and listening to the BBC report where they came into Central Africa and they were meeting with the witch doctors who were telling them these BBC reporters were pretending that they were contractors. And they were saying, listen, we wanna make sure that when we build, where we build, that our business just thrives. So we wanna get a little help from you guys. And they said, and they, in the interview, translated through Swahili, you could hear them talking and they talked about grabbing little children under 10 years old from the villages, ritually sacrificing them, cutting them apart and burying them in the four corners of the construction site. Let me read from Tim Keller's book, the prodigal prophet, and he's actually quoting like eight different sources and I can show it to you if you'd like after the service. but he's talking about the Assyrian. and he said, "Assyrian history is as gory and blood curdling, a history as we know. After capturing enemies, the Assyrians would typically cut off their legs and one arm, leaving the other arm, and hand so they could shake their victim's hand in mockery as they died. They forced friends and family members to parade with the decapitated heads of their beloved ones elevated on poles. They pulled out prisoners' tongues and stretched their bodies with ropes so they could be flayed alive and their skins displayed on the city walls. They burned adolescents alive. And those who survived the destruction of their cities were fated to endure cruel and violent forms of slavery. The Assyrians have been called a terrorist state. Do you get it now while Jonah went west? when he went to Tarshish, which is Spain, when God whispered in his ear, go east, go to Nineveh. He's like, no way am I going there. No way am I walking to the doors of hell. So who's lost? Who's lost? And the Bible answer is that Jonah and the Ninevites are lost. <laughs> that there are two ways to be lost. You can be religious and moral, but you want to be religious and moral on your terms, or you can be like the Ninevites, which Jonah says, they don't know their left hand from the right hand. They don't know what they're doing, where they're coming and where they're going and they're just doing what they want regardless of what anyone, including God, thinks, which by the way, is the definition of sin. You're just gonna do what you want, irregardless of God? And that's the message that you probably have heard like 30 times this week. You know, whether you were on TV, on the radio, strolling through social media, you just be you. You just be true to yourself. You just do what you need to do to be happy for once. God cares. This is really, this is really blew me away. God cares not only about the mission, but the missionary. Like, guys, I don't know if you were tracking with the story, but the moment that God said go and Jonah said no, God could have found like another Isaiah who stood up and says, "Here I am, send me." But but what happens? What do we see happens? The The winds kick up. He's on the boat. They're going to die. They cast lots. They roll the dice. It, It falls on Jonah. They throw him overboard. And God saves him. So God doesn't just care about the the ministry, and that's important for each one of us. We are here, we have a dream, we have an assignment, we have a mission, but God doesn't just care about how useful we can be to his kingdom here in Gloucester. He cares about you, and there's no, if you lose yourself and are useful to God, that's not what he wants. He wants to save you, and he wants to save the city. He wanted to save Jonah and Nineveh so much so that he sent a, a whale. <laughs> Listen, I don't lie awake at night stressing about how like, how to make involvement in the church and service to the community a lot easier for everybody. I don't know if you knew that about me. That's not my personality. I am here to call you to do more. I'm here to call you to dive in, to die to yourself and to make a difference. But we need to remember this, that God not only cares what you can do for him, but he cares about you because he loves you for you. Even if you're out of commission, even if you can't be good for nobody and no one, he loves you. He died for you. But even in our mess, he sends us. Doesn't he? I think maybe some of you heard the story. I remember when, uh, it was crazy. I remember we were sitting in a little Bible study and over in Fishtown and Pastor Doug Logan comes and he gives us The absolute worst sales pitch ever to help. And he talks about, hey, listen, I got this little church and um, we had a thriving youth ministry and the church was growing, but one of the teenagers molested one of the little girls. And we had to testify against the teenager who happened to also be one of the bringers, one of the key people that brought a lot of people to the church and lived across the street from the church. And so now not only am I asking for someone to come and help me start a youth group from nothing. I am also asking for someone to come and walk around with me as I knock on doors and do pastoral visits because I'm scared for my life. Because this family is looking out to get me. And it's like, by the way, that's like a bad you know what I mean? To, to walk into a Bible study and have that as your pitch, <laughs> it's a bad idea. Don't try that. <laughs> but me and my wife, we got home and we looked at each other and we were like, oh crap. <laughs> this is what we're doing. This is what we're doing. Don't even know this guy, but this is what we're doing now. And God calls us to things. He swallows us up like the whale and he spits us out on the shores of Nineveh and he swallowed all you up and he spits you out right here in Gloucester City for a purpose. He's given us an assignment. But let's let's finish. We don't wanna miss this. Let's let's look again at the reason Jonah didn't want to go. So what the Assyrians did to people was inexcusable, vile, violent, exploitative, all of the above. And we will read later in the book of Jonah, after he preaches and they repent, he says, this is, I knew this would happen. I knew what kind of God you were. I knew that if they repented, you would forgive them. And that's why I didn't want to go. Now, I had an uncle who would let anybody stay in his house. And there was always some mentally ill, some drug-addicted person, usually more than one, on the couch, in the basement, on some beds and all of that. And he had a conversion van. And he had, had a bunch of cars, like, you know, out front. And there was always people there. And it wasn't always good. But here's the thing. That's because my uncle was finite, frail, human, God is like my uncle and he brings us all in. He brings the worst in, he brings the Ninevites, the Assyrians in and he has the resources, he has the rooms, he has the money. He's got all he needs to take us all in. And we all come in the same, not better than anybody else. We've all needed God's grace. However, Jonah was like, Jonah was like, I'm gonna get in trouble for this. I don't care. Jonah was like a 1981 Gloucester boy going to Camden. All right. Jonah was the 1981 Gloucester boy. God tells him to go deep into Camden and instead of doing that he's like nah and he gets on a bus to cape may <laughs> and we can act like that was okay 1981 that's funny that's in the past i mean a couple months ago i'm at the bar shooting some stick playing pool and i I'm I'm, we meet this guy and what does he tell us he's like every year i live in gloucester i get more racist oh stop it pastor like <laughs> let's go back to jonah <laughs> Let's go back to Jonah. No, listen to what I'm saying. Jonah looked at the Assyrians and said no. But God doesn't let us look at anyone and say no for any reason. god's love is reckless he wrecks our little worlds of familiarity of similarity of comfort and he places you in a family so you go to prayer with a bunch of women and sometimes you leave more stressed than you came in (laughs) so you serve kids except somehow dylan keeps bringing more and more kids what in the world (laughs) And so you, you you come and you bring food and there just seems to be an endless amount of people. Or Pastor Joe asks you to drive people to church and all of a sudden there's like three carloads full of people and it never ends. <laughs> the whale is swallowing you up and he's spitting you out so that you eat with foods that look different, taste different, you sit around people who sound different, speak different, vote different, look different, (laughs) so that we can be one family together, and we're doing all this stuff with people, just like the Israelites, by the way, who our parents and our grandparents could never imagine we're sitting with, because that's what the gospel does. Only the uncontainable, huge, reckless, unpredictable love of God can break through all these barriers, make us one, and cause us to be brother and sister. Let me pray for us.